Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app follow, uh, powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Friday. It's June 2nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll set the scene with today's poll questions, but first we have to start with the local breaking news here. Uh, both Shams and Adrian Wojnarowski have reported that the Suns have made a hire for their next head coach, and they're reporting that it is Frank Vogel. Shams has gone on. Sham Sharania of uh, The Athletic has gone on to say that the Suns and Frank Vogel are finalizing a five-year, $31 million contract uh, for their next head coach. So that's uh, what's currently being reported, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more as the show rolls on. Um, yeah, sounds fair. I mean, the five-year thing I think is interesting, and that's I think it's a good negotiating time for Vogel and uh, Team Vogel because you just have you know the Nick Nurse hired and in uh, uh, Philadelphia, and I never really exactly saw a concrete report of how many years he got. It's either five, six, or seven, or it's been a bunch. And obviously, Monty Williams got the six-year mega-dollar deal from Detroit this week. We'll take your phone calls today at 10.30 and 11.15, Give us a compelling case for why you're excited for Frank Vogel, why you wish they would have gone in a different direction. The phone lines will be open 10.30, for you to make that case. It's also a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Of course, Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits is not your normal meat market. They have craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats. For your four-legged friends, they're located 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. And the weekend specials here for you, bacon-wrapped sirloin fillets, 8 ounces, 2 for $15. Bacon-wrapped boneless prime pork chops, 8 ounces, 2 for $15. An all-natural, fresh, boneless, skinless, plain chicken breast at $4.99 a pound. We'll have the $100 gift certificate for you a little bit later on in the show. But let's set the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdus1060.com poll question uh in regards to game one last night of the nba finals for miami should the non-competitive game one be reason for concern or no big deal reason for concern leading the way at 63 percent of the vote no big deal at 37 percent yeah, there's uh, one thing for sure is there wasn't any rust from Denver. I thought they played really well, especially in the first half. I think the second half, I don't know if they were, quote, coasting or whatever, but uh, they didn't play nearly as well, weren't nearly as efficient in the second half. But, uh, you know, they uh, they came out and uh, their, their plan of attack was pretty obvious that they were going to take advantage of their size. And uh, something we talked about, not just their length, but their physical Mitch, they, 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 just the physical stature of their players 
against the Miami team we thought could be a problem. It was certainly a problem last night, and I'm guessing over the next next two weeks, these guys aren't going to get any shorter or any smaller. Uh, so I'm not real sure what Miami does at this point, but uh, we'll see uh, you know, how Eric Spolster tries to go about this. We'll uh, discuss this a little bit more uh, here shortly, as well as answer the question around 1130. Over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, uh, Bob had a conversation with Reggie Chapman Jr. of 11 Alive in Atlanta talking all things Braves. There's a series this weekend at Chase Field. Atlanta also one of the top teams in the National League. So here's the question. If healthy, are the Braves the best team in the National League? No leading the way at 54.5%. Yes, trailing at 45 point five percent of the vote if healthy obviously is a key phrase because they have uh you know like several teams but uh maybe amongst the elite teams i think the yankees have probably had the most injuries but the braves have not had one day so far this season when they've actually had their preferred like you know nine guys in the field plus a pitching staff that they expected uh, we'll get into game one, Denver topping the heat last night, 104-93 in just a minute here. But let's try to formulate some thoughts about the Suns bringing in Frank Vogel. Of course, Frank Vogel spent a lot of time in Indiana. We discussed this yesterday, actually. He was in Indiana from 2010 to 2016. Uh, just kind of how things shook out for him in his playoff uh, record as a coach. Lost in the first round in his first year at Indiana. Lost in the conference semifinals in 2011 to 2012. Lost in the conference finals 2012 to 2013. Lost in the conference finals 2013 to 2014. Then missed the playoffs in 2014-2015. Lost in the first round in 2015-2016. Then he found himself as the Orlando Magic head coach from 2016 to 2018. Didn't make the playoffs either of those years. Then joined the Los Angeles Lakers 2019 to 2022 they won the nba championship in 2020 that was the bubble championship lost in the first round of the playoffs in the 2020 2021 season and then did not make the playoffs going 33 and 49 a very depleted roster that year as well in 2021 and 2022 yeah, let's start with the Indiana days. You know, when he got to the conference finals, they got to game seven. They were winning game seven in the fourth quarter at Miami. That was you know LeBron and the big three guys. They should have won that game. And uh, yeah, I remember criticizing Vogel, and I still remember it. In fact, we were talking about uh, you know you know a couple things in the playoffs this year with some not good coaching. And I hearken back to that uh, series with Vogel coaching Indiana. That was the worst coach game seven I've seen in my maybe possible my lifetime in the NBA. And uh, so maybe I just need to get over that. But he clearly coached him out of that series, winning it. Now, I think they would have won the NBA championship that particular year. It certainly could have. Uh, they would have gone to the finals had they won that game. Uh, so that was... Kind of the negative. The the I guess you know, certainly the highlight is they won. He won the championship with the Lakers, but also think it's fair to point out that that was in the bubble after they had the long rest and LeBron and Anthony Davis were both healthy after the long rest and long layoff, and they made it through the entire playoffs healthy in the bubble, and that's when he won a championship. And then less than two calendar years later, or roughly two and a half calendar years later, he's out of work uh, in Los Angeles because that just went to hell. 
Um, so, you know, Frank Vogel, he's known for his defensive tactics here, and that's something that uh, you had pointed out in terms of looking at this Suns team that they struggled with. Uh, you could also point out that maybe uh, the, the, the type of players on the roster uh, just not capable of playing great defense. So obviously there's going to have to be some some changes roster-wise as well, but uh, maybe thinking as well, philosophy change could sort of help some of those defensive struggles. Maybe. Um, if, you can't, if you're not physically capable of guarding people, though, I don't really care who your head coach is and how much screaming and hollering he might do. I don't think that's going to make a ton of difference, quite frankly. I think they need to have better personnel to be a better defensive team. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, his reputation—I've never—I've not seen Vogel on. You know, I've watched plenty of Pacers games and the Lakers over the years, but not on a game-to-game basis. So I'm not sure. But his reputation is that he gets after players. Uh, so I'm not sure if the Suns—they uh, might have a couple of guys in this team that's not. Or, you know, it's a de- let's put it this way. It's a definite, uh, def- different philosophy and approach. Approach is probably the better word from what Monty Williams did, who you know, you know, certainly didn't throw his players under the bus. I don't remember if he you know, really ever threw anybody under the bus other than Aiton. Uh, and, uh, of course, you know, you know, Aiton was blamed by everybody in Maricopa County for them losing Game 7 against the, against the Mavericks, even though Devin Booker sucked in that game. But it was all Eaton's fault. But anyway, rarely did uh, did Monty Williams criticize his players. Vogel, you know, I know at least in Indiana, more than once he was not afraid to publicly criticize some players. So it'll be interesting to see if he's changed in that way and uh, whether the current roster and some of their players would handle the criticism if that happens. You mentioned Aiton, and that's kind of where my thoughts went here as well. Does a hiring of Frank Vogel try to maximize the defensive effort and defensive abilities of a DeAndre Aiton to be a little bit more uh, physical on the inside if he can? Yeah, I don't have no idea. Uh, also, I think that part of the problem with Aiton is because the Suns are so bad, and you know, Paul and Booker have been so bad at basically stopping dribble penetration for the majority of their career here, that that has put the Aiton or whoever the post player is in really difficult situations, and especially in screen roll situations. Yeah, you know, the game that the, you know that the series they lost to Dallas. Uh, you, know, you know, it's against Doncic, who's you know, a tremendous screen roll and individual isolation player. But they pretty much did that every possession for the entire series, and the Suns never were able to figure that out. Once again, uh, it is being reported here. Frank Vogel as the next Suns head coach. Sham Sherenia of The Athletic. Uh, Suns giving him a five-year, $31 million deal. And that's what's being reported here on this Friday morning. Uh, we'll step aside and we'll get into game one of the NBA Finals in which the Denver Nuggets uh, came out and beat the Miami Heat 104-93. to We'll also take your calls today around 10 10- 
10.30 and 11.15 if you have uh, some sort of, of opinion one way or the other on Frank Vogel being the next Suns head coach, as well as the NBA Finals, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Plenty of things to get into today. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take those calls, 10.30 and 11.15. But NBA Finals, Game 1 conversation is coming up on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Now time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Friday. It's June 2nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. Once again, it's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials, bacon wrapped sirloin fillets, eight ounce steaks, two for $15. Bacon wrapped boneless prime pork chops, also eight ounces, two for $15. An all natural Fresh, boneless, skinless, plain chicken breast at $4.99 a pound. You can visit them over at 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler or online at vonhansensmeats.net. We'll have the $100 gift certificate available to you, but not quite yet, as we must get into Denver beating the Miami Heat last night, 104-93 to take game one of the NBA Finals. This one was never really a contest right from the start. Certainly the size advantage was on display. Uh, and we, you had talked about it that uh, it wasn't just a, a Jokic size advantage. It was a size advantage at virtually every single position. And certainly Aaron Gordon uh, got that conversation uh, started and solidified early and often as he was getting some really easy runs there at the rim. And he finished the night with 16 points on 7 of 10 shooting. Jokic secured himself another playoff triple double 27 points 14 assists and 10 rebounds he was 8 of 12 from the floor and certainly it was just very impressive from the nuggets right from the start true they trailed for a total of 34 seconds in the game uh still undefeated at home in the playoffs nine and zero in fact they haven't lost a home game since uh march when they were still in the regular season as I mentioned, and it's not just uh, the length here. I mean, it's just the physical stature of the Denver players against the Miami players who are you know, leaner and quicker and so forth in some cases. But I think it was just kind of a physical mismatch. Um, and I don't think that's going to – I don't think the physical stature of the players is going to change in the next couple of weeks. And I know Jimmy, Jimmy Butler and Gabe Vincent even talked about the physicality of Denver in their post game, uh, Vincent wasn't even asked about it. He just mentioned it before he was even asked a question about that. Butler was specifically asked about it, but you know, he acknowledged that that, that was an issue. Uh, also, I do something I really didn't think about before the series started, which I should have. You know, there's some long stretches between games here, including in this first stretch from games one to two, when you play on Thursday and don't play again until Sunday. That you know the, the the long stretches. I think that really helps Denver a lot because 
as we did mention uh, yesterday, is they they've you know, Brent uh, yeah, Michael Malone is actually almost said Brendan Malone, it's his dad. Uh, Michael Malone has gone to a shorter rotation during the playoffs. Here seems to get more short in each series, and uh, if that's going to continue, or if he's just going to you know play less minutes for really after the first seven guys, which is pretty much where he's at now, that. Uh, when you have three days off between games, that helps that strategy even more. For Miami, it was Bam Adebayo leading the team with 26 points, 13 of 25 and 13 rebounds. Caleb Martin, Max Struess, they struggled. Caleb Martin was just 1 of 7, Max Struess 0 of 10. Jimmy Butler, 13 points, 6 of 14, 7 rebounds and 7 assists. Uh, despite all of this, is there anything that the Heat can be encouraged by because they were able to actually get open looks, open shots, and they just didn't hit yeah. them? They had plenty of open looks. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, yeah, I'm un- I wondered this before yesterday, but uh, you know, we thought some in the last series that Butler uh, was running on empty, and really only Game Seven at Boston uh, have we seen playoff Jimmy in the last five playoff games. Also, Aaron Gordon, another outstanding defensive performance. I've been saying for at least a couple of weeks that he's been the best defender in the entire playoffs. No matter what team, what conference we're talking about, Butler had 14 field goal attempts in this game, zero free throws. In fact, the team had two free throws. That's the fewest ever, and I mean ever, in any finals game in the history of the league. They had two free throw attempts. He had none of those. Uh, he did have seven assists, but there is no question that it was it it was very difficult. Uh, for Butler trying to post up against Gordon because of his strength and his length. Speaking of Jimmy Butler, he said this post game, uh, quote, probably because we shot a lot of jump shots, myself probably leading that pack instead of putting pressure at the rim, getting layups, getting to the free throw line. If you looked at the foul line disparity, the Heat was just two of two, the Nuggets 16 of 20 from the foul line. Do you agree with Butler's sentiment there? But to your point about the length, size and physicality of the Nuggets, can they get to the rim? I'm not sure if they can. I know what they did do. The one thing that they exploited, maybe too much, is that you know, Adebayo did pretty much what he wanted to do offensively. And there's no question that you know Jokic can't guard Bam. There, he has no chance of guarding Bam. Uh, that's the most field goal attempts that Bam has had in any game in his entire career, regular season or postseason. And I would even venture to say probably even at Kentucky where he wasn't exactly the number one offensive option when he was in college. Uh, but you know, he had 20-some field goal attempts last night. There, There's no way that Jokic could guard him. But uh, you know, it, it looked like that was certainly a clear part of their attack. Uh, Spolster was asked about this specifically after the game, and he stopped short of saying that they were attacking Jokic. But clearly... Uh, that was a, a, an emphasis for them as uh, they thought they could have a matchup edge there, and they did. They might have overdone that a little bit, uh, plus the fact that those other guys weren't making shots. And uh, as you mentioned, they did have plenty of open looks. The one uh, I, I'm interested to see how much Highsmith is going to play in this series moving forward. He played forward. well, 7 of 10. He had some really good moments in that Boston series too, even in the games they were losing to Boston. 
uh, he had some good moments and uh, and he had uh, he he was you know, arguably this is probably you know, he, probably not a good thing for Miami. I think it's probably you're probably going to lose if he's your second best player, uh, and he was their second best player after Bam last night. But he, I assume, is going to be playing more. You know, I you you mentioned here Bam and the the thirteen of twenty five and twenty six points, and obviously uh, he was able to get whatever he wanted offensively. My one thought though here was was it too much Bam, and that therefore the Nuggets were kind of yeah. like that's fine, we'll give you that shot because if you're not hitting outside, we're going to win the point differential. Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I don't think they really correlate. I think that the the Nuggets are you know not completely depressed that you know, Bam did what he wanted. I think it's also a very good thing that Bam was that efficient offensively, uh, still under 50%. But remember in the Boston series, he had all problems, all kinds of problems with Boston's length and got to the rim a lot in that series and then just didn't make shots. So the fact that he just saw the ball go through the hoop, I think helps him tremendously. And if he's making shots, that's just kind of an added bonus usually because he's a tremendous passer, great screener. He's an exceptional defensive player. And as I've mentioned more than once in these postseason playoff reviews that we've had, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA just as an all-around talent. Um, you mentioned Jimmy Butler, though, and we just kind of haven't really seen him be that explosive, just taking over the game, Jimmy Butler, like we did maybe game one and two in that Celtics series. Uh, will the the extra day rest help him with a Sunday game to maybe turn on the Jets a little bit and see some of that otherworldly play that we saw earlier on in the playoffs? It might. I also beg to differ a little bit. I think he had a spectacular game seven against Boston. I mean, he completely controlled the game. Uh, he he got, you know, he got 28 points, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he had lots of times where he created shots for others uh, because they forced, they were, they double, I think they double teamed him more in this uh, that last game seven than he did the rest of the series. So I think he was really good in that game. But really, of the last five playoff games, that's the only game that we've seen him do that. The one thing I'm really concerned about as far as that, and just to repeat from previously, yeah, Aaron Gordon's on him, and he's not going to be able to post up against Gordon. That's not going to work. He tried that a couple times yesterday, and that was, that was not good. Uh, he got his shot blocked a lot in the Boston series because of their length, and Gordon clearly has a significant physical advantage lengthwise and just physicality wise against Butler uh for me I don't know that any of this was wildly unexpected for game one just uh kind of considering the amount of rest that the Nuggets were able to have and uh their home court advantage the heat coming into this situation with the size differential uh but certainly now having an extra day off adjustments see what they can do differently on Sunday and if the heat do knock down some open looks we have a different conversation today yeah 39 three-point field goal attempts and two free throw attempts that's a kind of a bad differential huh <laughs> so <laughs> not good uh, uh, that you know they end up with 93 points that's the uh, fewest they've had in any playoff game this season yeah i know that their regular season numbers were low uh but uh in the playoffs uh, they've been a much better offensive team uh, the one thing to monitor before Sunday, and I don't even know if we're really going to know until we actually see him out there whenever it's Sunday or whenever, 
Uh, but there's certainly lots of speculation before last night's game that uh, Hero would be able to play in Game 2. And I would assume that that's maybe accelerated a little more because they lost Game 1. Uh, you know, the way that this game unfolded here, it seems like the sentiment has really just hit the ground running of, see, this is going to be a really quick series. A lot of people thinking Nuggets in five. Now the conversation a little bit shifting to uh, maybe a sweep, still Nuggets in five. But I guess my uh, alternative to that sentiment is that the Heat have been a resilient bunch all playoff series long, and they keep finding ways to get it done and surprise you. So... I'm going to say let's hold off on that being uh, a definitive. Yeah, I can understand the thinking of Nuggets in five, quite frankly. But, uh, yeah, I would be really surprised if, if Miami lost both games at home. Right, exactly. Uh, your calls, we're ready for them. 602-260-1060. If you missed it from earlier, uh, both Sham Sherenia of The Athletic, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reporting Frank Vogel to the Suns as the next head coach. Sham uh, saying five years, $31 million for Frank to be the next head coach. If you have some opinions on if you like the hire, if you wish they went in a different direction, give us a call, 602-260-1060. We'll get to your calls now talk to you on the other side of the break in addition to that the arizona cardinals had otas yesterday with some media availability so take a look at some of the comments from head coach jonathan gannon that stood out to me your phone calls next though 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the program it is the extra point on this friday june 2nd right here on kdos am 1060 Listener rewards for you with the KDUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. On this Friday, June 2nd, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The big local news is the reports. Frank Vogel is the next Suns head coach. Five years, $31 million for Frank. We'll take your sentiments on the hiring today, 602-260-1060. So we'll pop on out to the KDOS hotline, Monroe in Glendale. Monroe, what's on your mind today? Happy Friday. Thank you. Same to you. Hello? Yes, same to you. Thank you very much. Oh, I didn't know if I was in. Okay, I got a couple of thoughts on uh, the Suns and the Finals. Um, you went through Frank Vogel's history, and I think if you did the same thing for Doc Rivers and Nick Nurse, it wouldn't be a whole lot different. Except for Doc Rivers might have, I think he has two NBA Finals experiences. He does. He's one and one. Right. They all are one NBA champion coaches, which puts them in a a group of about eight, I think, all total. Uh, So, I I just, to me, I just don't see no reason to get excited about any of these guys. Uh, Obviously, you want someone that, that has won a championship, but if you look at their history, they have more history of not winning championships than they do 
which makes them kind of not different from really the majority of coaches. And so the reason why they're being hired or Frank Vogel is being hired because he's not Monty Weaver. It, to me, that's kind of what it boils down to. Uh, and Monty Williams' downfall, in my view, is his coaching wasn't bad, but it wasn't of a nature that clearly highlighted roster construction as their primary problem. And therefore, it was easier to, to fire him, which I think means James Jones will be gone by the end of next year's draft because they're not going to fix this roster. Yeah, well, I would hope not. Uh, well, let's rephrase that. If uh, if they kind of end up in the same place at the end of next year that they ended up this year, it'd be interesting to see if uh, they make some kind of front office move. I actually thought they should have made a front office move this year instead of Monty Williams. So we'll see. I will say one thing uh, that has nothing to do with Vogel or Doc Rivers, but I think it's a good thing that the Suns did not hire Kevin Young I could be totally wrong about him. I just don't know enough about him, quite frankly. But it seems as if if you're going to fire if you're going to fire Monty Williams, why do you hire his lead assistant to be the next head coach? And I know that I well I've you know I've read and been told that Duran and Booker apparently preferred Kevin Young, but I almost never would be sucked in by player sentiment as to who to hire as a coach. Right. Oh, I agree with that 100%. I agree 100%. Uh, with regards to the finals, um, I think this proves, I think it proves emphatically that NBA playoffs have zero to do with the regular season. It's really about matchups. Who plays whom? Historically, I think the regular season winner, if you will, uh, also happen to be a team that has the advantages no matter who they're playing against. But it still is about matchups. And this is a bad matchup for Miami. And I don't know if shot making will fix it. It might make the lead, the, the, the differential of the loss might be eight points versus 20 points. But I'm not really sure that making shots will fix their issue because they are so overmatched size-wise. And the way they play is a lot of slow down, hold the ball. That plays into the hands of teams that have good on-the-ball defense. I agree with all of that, even though I do think shot-making will win them a game or two, especially in Miami, a game or two, at least one game in Miami – more likely to make shots there than they are on the road. But, uh, yeah, I think that it's kind of a, a physical issue here. And I mentioned that uh, the last two days before last night. Uh, so it wasn't all that. That part wasn't surprising to me at all. I totally agree. In fact, nobody has been trashing the worthless NBA regular season more than I have for literally like, you know, 40 years on talk radio, roughly whatever 1988 was. Uh, beyond and uh, even before that I even wrote about it in my writing career back in uh, uh, my Prescott days as a sports editor the the NBA regular season is just a complete waste of time and it's even a bigger waste of time now because of all this load management crap 
Right, right, right. I came to the conclusion when they had the lockout and they shortened the game by like 20, season by like 20 games. And Bob, yeah. it literally did not change the seeding of the divisions in the regular season. So essentially they proved that if we play 20 less games, not much is going to change until we get to playoffs. And so um, with, with, with respect to um, – Oh, what's the what's the kid's name from Arizona? The kid from Arizona, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon. Uh, yeah. For some reason I can't remember his name. To me, before the playoffs, before the finals, he was the X factor. Uh huh. And I think that 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 he is going to be the the. We, I wouldn't be surprised if we. He may not win it, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some people talking about him as the finals MVP because he's he's going to make the difference in how Miami can get into their offense. If they want to run through Jimmy Butler, they can give the ball to Bam all they want to, but Jimmy Butler is the guy. And they can make all the threes that they want to, and they'll probably win some games. They won't get swept. But when it comes down to the differentiator, I believe it's going to be Aaron Gordon. He might be. Uh, he's not going to win the MVP because if Denver wins the series, it'd have to be uh, just a, a incredible uh, turnaround. If Jokic, he's going to win the MVP of the finals. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if, oh, if they yeah, win, yeah. yeah. But but you can make a case. And in fact, uh, yeah, Michael Malone certainly. Uh, you know, he wasn't talking about the finals MVP after Game One, but he certainly had a lot of good things to say about Gordon last night in the post game and. Uh, you know, he was he was physically dominating at the start of the game. They got him in some mismatches. He also, you know, they, they had a lot of fast break situations and transition situations in that first four or five minutes of the game, and they got some really bad cross matches. And yeah, you know, he was up against uh, you know really he had basically perimeter players a couple of times and got easy baskets. But uh, he's just a really difficult matchup for anybody. Look who he's guarded in the playoffs. He guarded Carl, Carl Anthony Towns in the first round a lot. Uh, in the second round, he, he really, I think, shut down Kevin Durant and intimidated. Intimidated is a strong word, but no question bothered him with his length and his, you know, his athleticism. And Durant had some foul issues also in that series because he had some charging fouls drawn by Gordon. And then he guarded LeBron. And now he's got Jimmy Butler. Right, right. And that's underestimated, Bob. People don't appreciate the ability to disrupt an offense when you can put your guy on, if not the, the, the primary offensive player, at least the key person in making the offense flow. And the fact that he's guarded guys that are, you know, have length and the fact that he's guarded perimeter guys and then LeBron, I, mean, I don't even know what to call LeBron, uh, he's a, just a you know, hybrid in, of his own making uh, in his own you know, body and, and everything he does. He's guarded pretty much every type of player there is in the postseason, elite players from the opposition, and uh, he is a huge reason why they're in the finals. Yeah, yes, yeah, sir. All right, well, you guys have a good weekend. Thanks, Monroe. 602-260-1060. That's the number to always chime in. I saw or heard that uh, before the series began, there was a 20-to-1 odds bet that Jokic would have a triple-double every game in the finals. <laughs> wow. 
Well, you only need three more uh, if it goes four, right? So there you go. <laughs> you know, the way that game one went, uh, you know, he was kind of oscillating there on nine rebounds for a while, and then he picked up his 10th board. But it seemed like the passing, uh, so that his assist numbers were just really easy, that this triple-double thing uh, could actually be pretty viable for him. It's amazing he ended up with as many points as he did because he had one shot in the first quarter, and that was literally with like two seconds to go in the first quarter off a steal and transition. You're, you're right. He was just a very big facilitator there. Uh, he did get to the line, what, 10 times and made 8 of 10 or something something along that's those true. lines. So that's that true. certainly he, he helped. Also had, he had a whole bunch of assists in that first quarter too, so he wasn't like he wasn't participating. Uh, but uh, he only had one field goal attempt, and that was on the final possession. He had six assists. In fact, I have a note on that. Six assists in the first quarter and only had the one field goal attempt, and that was literally with two seconds to go in the quarter. <laughs> six assists in 12 minutes of basketball. That's kind of wild. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, one other quick thing One other quick thing about Jokic. You know, we talked about the, will Miami play some zone in this series, and you know, they played a lot of zone. Uh, they pretty much uh, decided late last night if Jokic was on the floor, they weren't even going to try to play zone. Uh, so maybe that'll change a little bit. Uh, but uh, you know, they're so concerned about his passing ability against zone defenses that they didn't even bother to give it a shot. Yeah, it was as soon as he went off the court, they went into zone. And I don't know, what, what was your opinion about when they kind of went into that zone and they were able to then go on an 11-0 run and Denver maybe looked a little discombobulated by the, the zone? Or was it more just that Denver was up by 20-something points and maybe let off the gas yeah. just a touch? Well, I don't think the, they didn't. You know, the, the, certainly, they were more, much more efficient in the first half. Uh, at both ends of the floor, you know, Miami actually started the third quarter with the first seven points, and they started the fourth fourth quarter with the first eleven points. But you know, other than that, I mean, that's an 18-0 run over two stretches, and they still lost by double digits. <laughs> we'll uh, get into some of the Cardinals OTAs, Jonathan Gannon takeaways from his press conference yesterday. Probably we'll get into that in hour number two, because on the other side of the break, we'll check in on the Memorial Golf Tournament, Jack's Place, uh, Hideki Matsuyama. He... Dublin, Ohio. Yoo-hoo! Yeah, didn't right someone down, right say? Down the, right, right down the street from where I was born. Correct. Someone uh, has some memories around there, like some dirt fields, right? The golf course wasn't there. It wasn't, it wasn't even dirt. It was like a farm area or something where the, you know, that, that was back in the 60s. So uh, it's it's uh, much nicer now <laughs> than it was then. And uh, when you win, you get a milkshake. I'm all for that. I mean, I, that sounds like a good lunch idea. Maybe not like even if today, you win, like, just like hanging for, out. Like for today, absolutely, like two hours here, yeah. So we'll get into that to wrap up hour number one, plus some Arizona Diamondbacks in hour two. It's the Extra Point. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Wrap 
wrapping up hour number one on this Friday, June 2nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. If you missed it, of course, from earlier, the Suns, according to reports, have named their next head coach in Frank Vogel. Reports also saying five years, $31 million for Vogel. We'll get into your calls around 11.15 if you want to chime in. Uh, agree, disagree with the hire, 602 260 1060. As we take a look at what's going on at the Memorial Tournament, Jack's Place, Muirfield Village Golf Course, Hideki Matsuyama took advantage of some good scoring conditions this morning, went out and shot 65, 7 under par, and that has catapulted himself into first right now at 7 under par. He shot even yesterday, 65 today. In a tie for second is David Lipsky and Patrick Cantlay at 6 under par. That's good news for us because we took Patrick Cantlay at 10 to 1 here. He loves this golf course uh, with plenty of top finishes here and really hitting the ball well. So setting up for a fun weekend for us in, in that regard. Rory McIlroy. He has to be kicking himself a bit here because he was three under par yesterday heading into the 18th hole and took a triple bogey. And it was completely... Yeah, I actually saw highlights of this or lowlights, depending on your viewpoint. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's always... Triple bogeys are never good. Uh, but they're certainly even more demoralizing when you don't hit it out of bounds. You don't hit it in a water hazard. You just kind of mess up the hole and you're left scratching your yeah. head thinking, how did I do this? Why did I do this? What the heck was that? Uh, but he bounced back today and he shot 68, four under par. So he's in a tie for fourth right now uh, at Muirfield Village. So when we look at some of our other guys that we took, Shane Lowry, he uh, bogeyed his first hole of the day today. So he's at two under par in a tie for 18th. Keith Mitchell, uh, he's even par on the day through five holes. Good enough for one under par for the tournament in a tie for 25th. So too is Victor. Hovland. Uh, the guys that we're monitoring from the big names top of the board, Scotty Scheffler, he shot two over yesterday. Well, he's one under right now through four holes and plus one for the tournament. Then you had John Rahm who shot two under yesterday. He's two over through three, even par for the tournament, sitting in a tie for 39th. Obviously, plenty of holes left for him to turn things around. And then, as I mentioned yesterday, the story about Brant Snedeker and uh, the surgery that he underwent, the experimental surgery, taking a bone from his hip and basically rebuilding a sternum for himself. This is his first event back after over eight months. He ended up uh, shooting even par today, plus one for the tournament. Right now, that's in a tie for 49th. The projected cut line is currently at two over par, but obviously there's still uh, plenty of golf left to be played in today's event. Uh, so we'll certainly get into that here uh, as the show goes on. I do want to make mention of this, that uh, Putting World, uh, they are obviously in Scottsdale, and they have some fun things happening this weekend. The World Putting Tour is uh, at Putting World today. 
or I'm sorry, tomorrow and Sunday, June 3rd and June 4th. So you can compete against professionals, amateurs of all ages and all abilities. Go to puttingworld.com to register for the World Putting Tour competition and you can win some uh, cash prizes as well if uh, you putt pretty well over at Putting World this weekend. We also have a $50 gift certificate for you to find out all the fun things that are going on at Putting World, which is located 16259 North Scottsdale Road in Scottsdale. The $50 gift certificate now for caller number 2, 602-260-1060. We'll take uh, caller number 2 for the Putting World $50 gift certificate, 602-260-1060. So a couple of my takeaways, though, from the Arizona Cardinals with OTAs yesterday, and this is probably not going away, uh, is the, the sentiment and the conversation surrounding Isaiah Simmons that he didn't have his option picked up. Uh, It's obviously a new coaching regime. And there's always this sentiment here that he is discussed as such a versatile player. He can play anywhere. And so what are the current plans for him? Well, on the positional chart as it is right now, uh, he is listed as linebacker, but he has been seen in open parts of practice working more and more with the back end of the defense. So Gannon was asked about him and said, yeah, I think so. As we move playing multiple roles forward, I want to see him get comfortable in a couple of spots we're playing him he's obviously a very unique talent can do a lot of things for you defensively and schematically because he can match up with different people he can cover slot cover tight end play stacked play deep uh try to use in the best way that we can i don't know about you but i'd kind of like to see things get a little bit more simple for him this season yeah i don't know if he can cover anybody at this point and I'm a guy that was a big fan of his at Clemson and one of the Cardinals to draft him and thought he'd be uh, an impact player I'm not sure really what he does well I think the best thing he does is rush the quarterback off the edge and that seems to be a role that maybe Zayvon Collins is sliding more into at least he's been seen uh, in that type of role so far through voluntary OTAs so they're not going to have any middle linebackers We'll see how this all unfolds. We'll get into more of this in hour number two. Of course, the Arizona Diamondbacks and Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits as well. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports.